We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. What on earth is that? It's a Journey Into Comics Network production! Went forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. How many did you see? 14,605. How many did we win? Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Journey Into Comics, the podcast that's dedicated to everything nerd. With your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips, and introducing his new co-host, Tyler McLaughlin. You should have gone for the head. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's Journey Into Comics 292. I am your host, Nate. Today, joining me, you guys, I don't know if you're aware of this, he is such a badass that there are multiple, multiple bounties on his head. Bounty hunters like Bosk, Forlom, IG-88, Zuckus, they're all chasing him, man. Welcome back to the show. Once again, you know him and love him. That rotten scoundrel. What's up, Tyler? Hello, hello, hello. Uh, corn. How's it going, bro? Quarantine still hasn't taken me out, so I haven't been disintegrated yet. That's great to hear. No disintegrations this time, my friend. Uh, what's been good in your world, dude? Uh, just like we were kind of joking about stuff pre-show. It's like literally quarantine has involved with me buying groceries. Um. Like trying to take really good care of the outside of my house, and uh, I started playing a video game that I'd never played before today. Ooh, tell me about it. Bioshock Infinite. Oh my god, that game is fucking incredible, dude. So I, uh, you know, PS Plus had it, like the whole collection for free a couple months ago. I can't remember what it was, but I downloaded it. And I've got I've got a backlog like a small backlog of video games um, at home that I really you know Doom Eternal's out, that Resident Evil Three the remakes out, Final Fantasy Seven the remakes out. It's like I've got I've got three three to four major video games that I that I really have planned about playing you know the last year year and a half. Um, you know Final Fantasy Seven the remake obviously for a long long time. Uh, so I, like, I've been, I've been really getting hyped to play all these games and then it's like with the pandemic and then like trying to be responsible, you know, I've got games at home that I, that I haven't finished or, or didn't, um, like I got as a gift or I went out and bought because I was hyped for them and I just haven't played them. So I thought for once I would do the responsible thing. And try and work through some of my backlog before I bought, you know, $70 video games. That Especially with, like, Doom Eternal. Um, you know, I bought the first one, and then literally, like, a month later, it was, like, 30 bucks. And you're like, motherfucker! Well, I mean, like, sometimes, sometimes it's justifiable. You know, it's just kind of how the, the, like, the price cycles go. But, like, I didn't want to spend $180 on video games, and then, like, at the end of May, you know, I, I, I'll i get a raise at the end of next month um, because I finished another year of school, which has been its own... Oh, yeah, congrats. Thank you, which has been its own trial and tribulations in itself, and it's like, you know what? I just need to save a little bit of money. Skylar and I are trying to be responsible people. There's people out there that can't afford groceries, and I don't need to be buying unnecessary video games when people can't buy groceries that's that's where i'm at but you my man before we talk about anything else 
we got to hit pause. Yes. We got to take a side <clears throat> okay. step. Pause for edit here. Okay. Sure. Pause for edit. Beep, beep. Because as of recording right now, it's fucking Nate Phillips' birthday, everybody. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah, you're right. It is my birthday. You didn't, you didn't think we were going to have this fucking podcast without talking about the Podfather's birthday. Oh, well, thanks, bro. I'm glad you bring it up. It's interesting to be 33 and to be alive another year. Uh, so far, the Rona hasn't taken me out yet, which is nice. Um, I will say that this year's birthday spectacle and everything that I kind of had planned didn't happen. Uh, and I know that I, I actually don't remember fully. No apologies there. Also, this is being released on 420, so happy 420 to the, those of you who partake. I might have to partake um, tomorrow. To- toke it up if you got it, because, uh, man, it's a, it's a celebration around the world right now, especially in this quarantine. So, um, But, you know, it's, it's interesting because, and I, again, I don't remember directly if I told you this specifically, but, like, in the back of my mind, when we were heading into C2E2, I was like, I can't wait to like do what we did at the network meeting again, but for my birthday and no, th- no you know, no meeting being planned, just like hanging out and maybe do a fucking funny podcast or some shit. Right. A- and then it was just like how quickly by the time we got to C2E2, I was like, oh, this might not happen. And then March it. And I was like, this is definitely not happening I'm now having a very strange birthday. Yeah, I, and, I'm. I'm, uh, I'm really, really uh, thankful that we got to experience C2E2. Um, you know, the the way that we did. You know, we were obviously t- like uh, very aware of our surroundings. You know, it's a convention, so it's almost impossible to not be, you know, nuts to butts with people. But like, I I feel like as far as that place went, you know, McCormick Place. No one was, you know, anyone that was coughing was covering their mouth. Anybody that was sneezing was sneezing into their arm. People were washing their hands. People people were very uh, cognizant of uh, the safety measures that needed to take place. So, you know, especially now that the pandemic's going on and we look back, it's like, and I'm sure you've done the same thing, like, man, that could have been bad. No, it really could have. Mm -hmm. It could have went a totally different direction had there been less people being safe, less people caring, less precaution in general. You know, I think that some people had had their ear to the ground like a new coronavirus is a thing and it's picking up steam in China. At some point, it's probably going to end up here. What's going to happen, you know? So when we got to that point, we were all those people going like, this might be the last cool thing we get to do. We should fucking cherish it. Mm -hmm. And like... Really, it really was like it was the last great out adventure that I'm probably going to do for a long time. And who knows? Who knows when the next time we're going to be able to be out with other people in larger groups is because, you know, this stuff is so serious and so severe. You know, I mean, I made a, a kind of an off color joke and it is my birthday. But, you know, there are people protesting the stay at home orders in their states. And honestly, there are two words that come to mind when I think about these people. And it's natural selection, my friend. Mm. And, and I don't mean to be like an asshole, but listen, this virus doesn't care who you are, what your age is, your color, whatever, blah, blah. We've said it hundreds of times here. So not being safe, not thinking about what you're doing before you're going out, not knowing when you go out to always be mindful to wash your hands when you come home to wipe down things if you're if you're being extra protective of it and stuff, you know, um, but like. Those people who think, oh, whatever, it's not a big deal. There are already people who've been out in those crowds that are now coming out and saying, oh, my God, I can't believe it, but I have a fever, and all of a sudden I don't feel so good, and all of a sudden things are going wrong, and I'm just like, see, that's what you get. Like, take it serious. It's serious, you know? Right. That, that, you know, that's, real, that's really all I have, but to get back to the games, I want to I wanna to steer it back there for just a second because you were talking about your, your playing through Bioshock Infinite, and I love the Bioshock collection. I love that whole series. Um, I need more Bioshock in my life. I can't wait for you to finish Infinite. I think we should do an episode on it when you do finish it. Yeah, I'm down for that. Uh, something that is outside of the bounds of this show. The ending of that game is so like, what the fuck? Your brain literally will shatter into a million little pieces, and you're just going to be like, how? What? the Fucking? Ah! Like that's how I—that's at least how I was, anyways. You know, hopefully I don't overhype that shit. But like, uh, I have been playing some video games, and that's going to lead us in 
through all these different things that we're talking about today. Ollie and I have been playing through uh, Spider-Man. I've been playing through all the DLC. I think I mentioned that last week. I'm not quite sure, but probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Ollie is still playing through the, the game. He's like 65% through. Sometimes he struggles on the bosses. He's like, hey, man, can you help me with Rhino? And I was like, all right, I got it. Like, I'm never going to beat Rhino, whatever. It's fun. And then, like, the DLC is so much harder because I've already got to level 50, and they kind of expect people who get the deal. The DLC as I belch, my bad. Jesus, it's the Pepsi. I'm so sorry. Um, get the you know the DLC, uh, Burt Meister 3000 here. Jesus, uh, that might be the episode title. Mm. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Uh, but anyways, so we're playing through it, and I realize the DLC is really, really, really difficult. And I'm like, wow, I need to hone my skills and shit and get back to it. So we've been playing that a lot. Also, because I redid the comic room, which for those of you who haven't yet seen the video, I did post a video today on my birthday uh, of me giving the tour in the comic room video edited by me. So it's all done by me and hopefully it's not awful. I don't know how it turned out because I'm not really sure how to judge my own work in that. But anyways, um, I literally just lost my train of thought for just a hot second, of course, because, oh, what we're playing. So we redid the comic room, and I was like, Ollie, there's a game I need to show you because it's going to be free on PS uh, PSN, not PS Plus, just on PlayStation Network. You can get it for free during the quarantine, although they still haven't made it available, which I'm not sure what the hell's happening. But you're supposed to be able to get the Nathan Drake collection for free. Oh, I looked, I looked today. It's available. It is available for free now? See, two days ago, it wasn't available, but Thief's End was available for free. Yeah, when I looked, so, when I looked this morning, it was it was available. Okay, cool. So that's something I'll have to download while he's not here. So anyways, uh, we started uh, the first Uncharted on the actual PS3 in the comic room, going through it slowly. and I, So I'm replaying through that, and then we get stimulated through the stimulations of stimulus checks, which is a great thing. And we're lucky to have it. It does happen to be around my birthday. And I got asked the question of questions. What do you want for your birthday? And I flashback Tyler. I'm going to take you on a journey that is, well, let's see if we're really talking about it. 13 years in the making. So in 2007, when I worked at GameStop, it's when I first started working there it was right at the height of the Xbox 360 PlayStation 3 war. Okay, it was very intense battle. You remember it? You were gaming back then. Mm-hmm. You know, you were either diehard PS3 or diehard Xbox 360, and they were always butting heads and smashing each other and whatnot. Right. So, and who who sells the more, you know, and whatnot. And, like, is, is Blu-ray better? And HDD obviously died, which is kind of funny, but I digress. So I always said if PlayStation soundly without question, wanted to end this quote-unquote console war that they would make Final Fantasy VII again in a modern telling with new graphics that would amaze people and just tell that story again. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot of people were like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. That would be great. They could do an anniversary edition, blah, 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 whatever. And it was a pipe dream. We always joked about it at GameStop. It was always one of those things like I was just hoping – And there were times when they were like, oh, my God, they're going to release it on the PSN. And I hoped, oh, maybe they updated the graphics a little bit. And sure, they polished them a little, but they didn't do what I really wanted, which was like taking um, uh, what the fuck was the movie? My brain just smelted. Advent Children? Advent Children. Thank you. Taking the beautiful graphics of Advent Children and actually making the game look like that. And so then, obviously... Fast forward a couple years ago, we got the tease it was supposed to be coming, and then it's been slow building, and here we are. And I got a copy, man. And in getting a copy, I got to experience something a little bit different, which was cool. I got to do an online uh, at-the-door pickup for GameStop because they don't allow people into their stores anymore. Well, now that the government made them not do that. Correct. So, it's like... You put your order in online. They say, thanks. Wait till you get your email. I don't get an email, and it's like getting closer to 8 o'clock, and that's when they close. And I'm like, I want to get this before tomorrow because I want to get it installed because I know it's a big file. So I call the store, and I'm like, hey, uh, I put an online order in. She's like, you're Nate? And I was like, yeah. 
I'm guessing I was probably the only person that actually did that today or yesterday or whatever day it was fucking that actually did it. But that day when I put the order in, she's like, yeah, we'll, we have it. It's ready. And I was like, okay, cool. Drove up, parked the car at the curb. She said to call. I called the store. I watched her walk to the door. She set it down. I walked over, picked it up, and that was it. Cool. And that was fucking it, man. It was weird. And then it was just like I went home and I was super jazzed and opened up the deluxe edition of FF7 Remake. It's got all the cool fucking bonus shit, Steelbook and all this, a regular copy of the or a regular version of the, you know, uh, game case. So if you don't like the Steelbook version, you can just have the regular version, which I like that they give you the option. It comes with a, a little mini art book. You get a Cactar Summon, which is amazing and I've already used in the game. Like, it's... It's quite a spectacle, but it's something that, like I said, 13 years ago, this is something I was wishing would happen. And then when it does happen, honest to God, man, the first three and a half minutes of the of the game, I am literally just tears rolling down my eyes as I'm playing because it's just like you're re-experiencing this thing, which I don't know if for you it's the same. I know it for me is definitely this game. But Final Fantasy VII was the first real RPG that opened up that world for me. Uh, and it's funny that you you bring that up because Brandon and I have have had this discussion a lot. Um, I didn't play. I didn't play seven first. I played nine. Nine was the first uh, Final Fantasy game that I played. Um, nine is another great game. Though. Nine is the <laughs> best Final Fantasy game ever. Uh, it, it's it's the most complete. And then you know, Seven's just got the hype because it was the first that that did it. But um, you know, I went I went uh, nine, ten, then I played seven. So I got interesting. Sp- Have you ever played eight? Yeah, I played eight. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I went uh, nine, ten, seven, eight, and then I pl- awesome. and then I played the rest after that. But um, yeah, I, I, it, there's not as much nostalgia for me. But you know, it's one of those that it's like. Um, like you can't not be excited about it, especially because, you know, I'm one of those few fans that waited or not few fans, but I'm one of the many fans that waited, uh, you know, over a decade for kingdom hearts three and then kingdom hearts three came out and it's fucking, it's garbage. It like, I, Ooh, you don't like no, it. I, I, I can't finish it. Oh no. It's just not good. Um, I didn't pick it up. Yeah, it's not good, and like the the base game doesn't have any of the Final Fantasy characters in it. It's just, it's just Disney characters, and like that removes all of the like, all of the in- allure of fucking Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom yeah. Hearts. So I don't know. I I got I tried to play it. I got real frustrated. Um, not because the game is difficult, but because the story is just not very good. the The voice acting's pretty subpar. Um, you know, I don't know. It's just not great. So, but yeah, man. And, and well, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You were in the middle of something. I was just making noise with my throat. Uh, I was going to say, you know, as far as the Bioshocks go, you know, I played the yes. first one. I played the second one. I, I actually loved the second one more than I liked the first one. Um, just because I thought the, the premise of playing as a, Proto- as the prototype Big Daddy, that was so fucking cool to me. Um, yes, absolutely. I, I never played Bioshock Infinite just because, you know, it came out 2013. That's when I started at, uh, you know, I'm not going to give that place any credit, but it's the job that I basically worked my life away at, and I just didn't... It wasn't in Rapture, so I, it didn't give me any incentive to play. Like, cool, you're playing this ex Pinkerton, and and you're in this sky, you know, basically the Sky Citadel. Uh, it's all you know, steamp- steampunk and whatnot. But it's like Rapture, Rapture grabbed you. You know, that's like fucking a, it did. That's like a once in a lifetime storytelling element that. You know, if you if you don't want to go back there, I maybe maybe I don't want to go back there. So would you kindly? Yeah, I mean, man, what what more do you need to say? God, like that reveal in a video game God. is so turning in your stomach. You're just like, oh my god, the whole time, what? Well, and especially like 
Ooh. You think about the like the opening sequence of the lighthouse. <sighs> you know, like yes. like how much more iconic can you get? Like everything that Bioshock is is rooted in System Shock. You know, no yes, one wants to thank you. No one wants to talk about System Shock because it's you know, uh, pretty much older. Well, it's a PC game that was not that great, honestly. I mean, the ideas were good, but it wasn't that great of a game. Let's be real. Right. But it had incredible, or incredibly, um, like forward-thinking ideas. It was one of the first, like, truly open games where you could just, just kind of walk around and do whatever you want. But, um, so yeah, I, I played. I played probably four hours this morning. Hell yes, dude. Um, you know, spoiler alert. I'm at the point where I'm on the boardwalk. Oh yeah. So I've all right. I've rescued. So. I've rescued Elizabeth. We're on the boardwalk doing our thing. Blah blah blah. Okay. Well, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm excited for you. Yeah. I cannot wait for you to complete that game. It has a moment that will literally break your brain. I've went seven years like, uh, since that game came out without being spoiled of the plot. So. Oh, it's so good. Okay, here's and here's another thing. So usually I sit down and I try to think of a funny quip or something to try to like introduce you. And today I'm not even kidding. I almost called you the big daddy of the journey into comics network, it. and I didn't. You are still the savage one, though. Let's not forget, folks. He is still the savage. That's my one. favorite. A big, the big, di- the the six inch or twelve inch, whatever the big one is. The big daddy pop was one of the first pops that I bought. Yeah, the six-inch Big Daddy Pop. I'm looking right at mm-hmm. it. I have that whole series, Booker DeWitt, Elizabeth, a different variant of Booker DeWitt, a little sister, a Big Daddy, and a songbird were the only ones they released from Bioshock. But uh, I, I'm I'm really, really hoping that, you know, not only we get that, that Bioshock sequel uh, or, you know, that next Bioshock game goes back to Rapture because I think I think there's a lot more stories that you can tell in Rapture, and that's what that's what the fans want anyway. I mean, you, you go on any message board anywhere, you know, any Reddit, subreddit, um, you know, fans of the series want to return to Rapture. Um, you know, kind of in honor of Rapture today, I watched a, a new movie this morning. Ooh, what'd you watch? Watch the movie Underwater. Ooh. Are you familiar with that at all? I feel like it's like a, is that a Netflix original or a, like a Amazon Prime original? One of those two? No, it it came out in theaters uh, late last year. Um, but it's on one of those services right now, no. right? I don't think so. Really? Why? I've seen underwater like the picture on a tab somewhere. Um. Yeah, I just red boxed it. I think it's on Netflix. I need to look that shit up. I'm looking. But continue. Tell your story. I'm so sorry. It's, you can, I you can it. rent it on Amazon Prime from YouTube or from Google Play. Those are where it's available. So it was on Amazon Prime that I saw it mm-hmm. today then. We were scrolling. But it's basically, think like The Abyss. Like, remember the, 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 the 80s movie, The Abyss? Fuck yes. I love that movie and that creepy scene where the water dude comes through. Oh, man. Yes. So think like The Abyss. Still haunts me to this day. The Abyss meets... Um, alien meets uh, I don't know. Throw another sci-fi thriller out there, but um, it was very, very good. Or not? It. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. The movie was not very, very good. Skylar was like falling asleep during it, but it was very entertaining for me. I enjoyed it. You view movies differently than some people because you have it the way, for those of you who don't know, Tyler watches movies with the aspect of, did it entertain me? Yes or no? And that's the first question you ask and then you solve everything afterwards. So as long as it's entertaining to you, you take something away from it. And I think that's a very good way to be about movies, actually, because it opens you up to be able to see a lot more things that people would probably say, that might be shit. And you're like, no, it was fucking great. Excuse me, I just... A yawn hit me real hard. No, yeah, I, I, I'm always he just got drop kicked by a yawn. <laughs> yeah, I'm always under the 
the kind of the pretense is that if I could justify spending ten dollars at the movies to to watch it, then you know it's good enough for me. Obviously, uh, you know I, I I critique movies hard enough that I can tell or I can you know confidently say what's a good movie and what's a bad movie. Um, but yeah, I, I thought True I that. thought the creature effects were were very uh, original. You know the premise was pretty pretty unique. I I dug it. it. It's definitely worth a watch. You know I I don't think that I would rush uh, to go buy it or or you know fight somebody at a red box to get it. But um, you know it's pretty entertaining. And then we watched uh, 1917 immediately after that. Oh, what did you think of that? What a what a flawless movie. That dude. It was in, it, it is was incredible. Absolutely stunning. What a beautiful war movie. Mm-hmm. Beautifully shot, uh, beautifully direct. There's like nothing bad to say about that movie. It deserved everything it got at the Oscars. I think it won like three or four Oscars, yeah. but mostly on technical stuff, you know, film editing and shit like that. But it put you in the trenches, man. Yeah, I thought they did a, a fantastic job. It was very well done. Um, You know, I was trying to explain to Skylar like how it's like – it's one continuous camera shot and she's like that doesn't make any sense so you know we had a nice little discussion trying to explain that but have has she ever seen uh, birdman no michael keaton have you seen birdman michael keaton no okay you need to get a hold of that immediately okay it's a uh... Okay, so that movie, if you appreciated the, the cinematography, the single shot, uh, moving forward through a whole movie and always following a single thread, you know, shooting style of 1917, watch Birdman. Same exact thing. Always, you know, one camera, always moving forward in the, in the thing. You're always seeing the next thing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's about Michael Keaton's character, who's an actor, who played a Birdman who is super popular, and everybody talks about how he's a super popular Birdman, but all he wants to do is escape that fame. Gotcha. And it's like a, it's a super deep character piece, man. It, it, it's, it's a movie that, again, it just makes his role as Batman even better. It makes his role as Vulture even better, weirdly enough. Like, it just pieced out, just perfect. It's just perfect. Gotcha. So, back to video games, though. So playing remake, playing Spider-Man, I saw some stuff, dude. Did you see, have you seen anything about the Spider-Man sequel? Uh, I saw like a couple like small articles this morning, but I didn't really get a chance to to read them. Um, Educate me. Flood my brain. Okay, so here is kind of the story thread that according to the rumors is what we're going to get for Spider-Man. So... Mary Jane is 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 gone. She's not in the city anymore. She's out on assignment in a different country covering some big deal. Okay. While that's happening, Pete has to go back and work for the Bugle. Happenstance, at the same time he goes to work for the Bugle, who returns to the Bugle but J. Jonah Jameson, who fights his way back for his job that he wrongfully lost. Okay. Okay? So now you've got this interesting combined forces thing between them those two but wait there's more because who seemingly is going to play as the main villain but the symbiote and eddie brock nice there will be a symbiote version of every suit apparently so every suit in the game will have a symbiote alternate okay okay uh a couple other things to couple with it uh mysterio is going to play a big role in the game Gotta and then they're going to do Oh, I'm fucking so jazzed. I hope that he is a big part of the game and not just like what they did with Taskmaster where it's like challenges and you're just like, okay, it's cool and all, but like I want him to have a big role, you know, like give me Scarecrow and Arkham uh, Asylum, the first Batman game, you know. But uh, the thing that really, really was interesting is, you know, obviously Eddie Brock works at the Bugle as well. Mm -hmm. So that's how that's going to all tie in together. But the one thing they were talking about that really, really piqued my ears, and I was just like, wow, is uh, this, it's it's like dynamic something, but it's being, essentially, you're a hero, 
all the time, and it's more than just like going and stopping crimes like in the first game. Now you'll also, as you're swinging through the city, you'll hear someone call like, that guy's going to fall off that ladder, and you'll have to swing in and save him and bring him down to safety, or, you know, oh, that lady's cat's in a tree as you're swinging through. You'll have to pick the cat up and whatever, and, you know, like uh, all these different crazy kind of in the moment, things that really happen in the world amplified to be really the Spider-Man hero, dynamic hero, I think is how they called it. Gotcha. Uh, the dynamic hero experience. And then one thing that really, really piqued my interest is, aside from when the game forces you because of storyline, the game will adhere to real life, dynamic time, and climate. So it will accurately represent New York's climate to whatever statutes, I guess. Um, although I will say that 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 last part played a little funny for me because if the the other part of the thing is true, that it's set around Christmas time, that well, I mean, I guess that would make sense because holiday twenty twenty one is when they want this to apparently come out. Okay. So that means I would say next couple months we're probably going to get an announcement. We would have got an announcement, I'm guessing, at probably E3 canceled. Um, so, yeah, I'm really, listen, huge fan of Spider-Man. The first game was amazing. If you can just make that game tweaked and just a little bit better but give me the same kind of gameplay plus add symbiotes, I mean... Rumor of Black Suit Spider-Man is a big part of the game, too, which changes the dynamics of how you play and fight. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very hopeful that those rumors are accurate and not just bullshit, you know? Well, a game, a game like that, a sequel to that game, is going to be incredibly successful, but I think what they really need to focus on is providing another original compelling narrative like they did in the first one you know everything yes. everything in the first one was so interconnected and so um so uh subtly yet how did you not see this out in the open and very well in connect or interconnected um you know the gameplay was obviously fantastic very few critiques overall i haven't had a chance to play through the dlc yet just because like i said in the beginning I'm I'm working through a fucking mile long backlog here. Um, He's got a backlog that's big old big long. Yeah, I mean I got a, I got a dump truck of a backlog, but uh, it's just you know I'm all about it. Give me give me more of that. You know we need more, especially after you know companies like EA said, well, we, we're we not going to waste time on single-player endeavors, and then we get God of War, we get Spider-Man, The Last of Us, uh, the Uncharted collection. Like, There's enough precedent been set that we we don't always have to focus on multiplayer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I 100% agree. What was that? I said I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. You know, especially... Like, absolutely. We so we got the news uh, yesterday or the day before that, uh, or or late last week I can't remember. It was Thursday, Friday, or, or either today or yesterday. But um, San Diego Comic Con uh, has been canceled. What's your thoughts on that? To no real surprise. I mean, okay, Ty. Here here are my thoughts, man. Uh, we already kind of half expected it because we can't just get back to normal way of life. The, assuming that it, even if the stay-at-home orders in your state is lifted tomorrow, that stay-at-home order being lifted tomorrow doesn't mean that immediately the following day they're going to have 30,000-seat stadiums filled up with people rocking and rolling. Unless you're the it's beaches It's going to be very Florida. hard. Unless you're what? Unless you're the beaches in Florida. Which, I digress. We've already talked about that and what I think about those people who are just not being very cognitive of how the disease spreads and doesn't really care about, you know, your deficiencies or your, your who you are as a person. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you voted for or what. It, it doesn't matter. Anyways. So, I want to say about the Spider-Man game, there's one thing that I really, really want to see happen. I don't know if it will happen. I'm not entirely sure what we'll get, but... We have this Avengers game coming out. Are you excited for that at all? Very, very much. I, I, I'm very, very okay. excited for that. 
Okay, so my hope is at the end of that game, there is a tease for Peter Parker, Spider-Man to actually join the Avengers. And my hope is, is that they actually use Avengers Tower that we saw in the Spider-Man game in that game as the same place, okay? What my real hope is, is is that if the second Avengers game, because you assume that if they made one and it's successful, which it's going to be because it's that property, plus you know people are going to be like, oh my god, we only got a couple really great villains and we need to see more. We need a game all, like an Age of Ultron Avengers 2 game would be absolutely stunning, you know, future tripping a little bit here. But like, that second game needs to have a crossover feature with the the, the Spider-Man game. And if you've completed the game and you have a save file like they've done on games in the past, it can read your save file and inputs Parker into your team, and he can be included in the stories as well, and you can play as him. So you can actually continue playing as the guy you've already built up. That'd be interesting. That's forward thinking with gaming, man. They need to do shit like that. Really bring the crossovers together and, and make uh, you know one solid universe, Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'd take that. But I'm I'm looking forward to whatever Spider-Man games we get and anything Marvel related. I'm always a fan. The Final Fantasy game has been stellar. Again, I'm going to tell you people if you liked that franchise at all, go get it. It really makes me hopeful that they consider doing this for Final Fantasy eight and nine because if those if seriously if those games get this treatment, they will all smash it out of the park and blow people's minds. And I think there's a way they're going to be able to do that. So. Hope, hope, hopeful for that. Um, but T.Y., you know, we've talked about a lot of different things today, but we've actually got a book, a comic book to discuss on our comic book podcast. It's been today. a very uh, Spider-Man-heavy uh, podcast for a reason. One is my favorite hero. It's my birthday. We're going to just keep saying it, so celebrate in style. Uh, we had talked about re- uh, talking about this on the last podcast uh, things didn't quite line up to get to it, so we saved it for this one. And just to break it down, book one of the J.J. Abrams, Henry Abrams story, Spider-Man. Uh, before we talk about the behind-the-scenes of this, T.Y., I've been sitting on this for a little over a week. I need you to now tell me your thoughts and your reactions. And I would just say, folks... This book is about four months old at this point, so if you haven't read it and you don't want spoiled, uh, skip ahead probably to the end of the podcast because we'll probably take it home on this one because there's a lot to unpack, a lot to talk about. This um, this book is very it's it's very mixed. Like I got very mixed signals in the beginning because it's like <clears throat> you open the book and you've got this incredible like drama obviously happening and. You know, that opening panel where it's just one word bubble and it's just black behind it. I thought that was real unique. I appreciated that. I really dig the art. Um, it's not it's not like traditional Spider-Man art, which which I appreciate. Um, yeah, Sarah Pacelli did a fantastic yeah. job. But it's like we actually get to see Spider-Man or Peter Parker injured. And then, and then we see this totally unique... Never seen anything like it before. Uh, villain, you know, in the first couple panels when they when they show up, I was like, "Is fucking Peter Parker fighting uh, xenomorphs here? Like, what's going on? We got a we got a handy dude." I thought it was a super sized fucking General Grievous for a second. I was like, "Holy shit!" Right. But the definitely the theme of this book is like heavy. Like it'll it'll hit you in the feels for sure. It does, and it because it catches you right off guard. You're getting uh, a very um, quickly paced story, but I love how again before we officially go full blown spoilers here. I love how this story sets you up to think one thing, and then it sucker punches you into another thing. And the night the really hard thing that's going to be for me is staying focused on just this book. I've read books two and three that go along with it, and the story is insane what they're trying to tell is amazing it's very bold it's very brave it's very abrams which i think we can you know dive into a little bit more here um but yeah as soon as i read this i was like dude you have to you have to get your eyes on it it's so good like it's an absolute must um but uh i don't think i'm gonna waste any more time ty what do you say let's get into some spoilers yeah let's get it 
All right, so after we see the reveal of this General Grievous-looking motherfucker and his drone crony-looking, they almost look like the the droids from fucking Star Wars Episode One, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit, but also way advanced and shit. Uh, Parker's just losing to him, and he realizes he's not going to win and tells MJ to run, and she's trying to run, and bro. Mm. Like... MJ no MJ no mo just straight just straight gets fucking back alley shanked through the chest and thrown off a bridge. Uh, ooh, yeah that that red panel. Um, I mean you it it's almost it's you know it's very uh, Sin City esque with with the yes. art with with the the tear being. You know, contrasting the actual frame of the person. The one question I have, and obviously sure. you've read book two and book three, so you know I, I've been very busy this weekend, uh, so I didn't get a chance to read the second and third book. But the first couple pages, are we assuming that Parker was already fighting these? Because yeah, and you'll start to get the unfolded mystery of what Cadaverous was okay. and the whole purpose of what was going on. Because okay. uh, that's where I was a little bit learned. confused. You know, MJ shows up, Pete's okay, or you know, obviously his arm is damaged, and it's like, all right, um, who's he fighting? Like, who did he beat? And then Cadaver shows up, and it's like, oh. Did he just show up or well, it, no, it's not that. It's that he was fighting Cadaver and was trying to hold him back and had maybe gotten some clearance, you know, for a second and then realizes he's about to get overrun. Right. Which is exactly what's happening in in, in the panels just following MJ getting stabbed in this very like uh and I loved how almost realistic they made the Parker screaming with a tear in his eye as his mask is like ripped off his face. You know that she's falling, and he's got to have some PTSD of a woman falling off a bridge. Last time that happened to her, he snapped her neck. So, right. you know, he jumps, he saves her, he doesn't thwip and get her. He swings all the way down and lets go and grabs her. You know, they go after him again, and then we kind of fast forward into what the story really is about because that's just setting the stage. That's like Act One, Scene One, lights, camera, action. Here we go, because you know MJ gets it gets buried. Uh, you can tell that in the fight, uh, Pete actually lost his arm. We don't discuss that, but he lost his arm. Uh, there's a little redheaded boy who looks very sullen and confused. And you get this thing, uh, spider, uh, you know, uh, I'll just read it from the panel because you're getting it kind of like as a newscast over this really dark scene, and you can assume there's probably really sad music playing if they were to do this live action, which this story makes me hopeful that it would go live action, but I don't foresee them actually doing this unless Marvel gets really creative and we're like 30 years down the road. Right. So, you know, the little the little panel throughout this all says, you know, uh, has not at this time reemerged following the bloody confrontation six days ago. The murderous creature, some now call cadaverous, placed hundreds of lives at risk. But I'm quoting a witness: "Spider-Man saved us all. He always does." Then it immediately fast-forwards to 12 years later, and we're just like, "Wait, what? What did you expect to see?" Like, I don't know if you quickly saw the 12 years later and then scroll, like, went to the next panel, but like, what? did you think we were getting into 12 years later when you saw this? Um, you know, I, I totally did not expect to see uh, a young, you know, basically a young, like almost a, a good hybrid of Peter Parker and Miles Morales, I felt like, in, um, you know, Peter and MJ's son, obviously, uh, with the red hair, dead giveaway. Uh, you know, totally. I expected to see Peter like working an office job somewhere, or like an old fucking crotchety janitor, or or, or like totally out of the life. You know what I mean? Just like he got beat, cadaverous, killed his girl. He gave up, yep. went home, packed it up, yep. called it a called it a universe. I, okay, I am fucking done. Ain't doing it no mo. So I can guarantee you that the twist that happens in issue, I think it's at the end of issue two, end of issue three, or at the end of issue three, 
is going to surprise you enough because there is a character who has hung up their boots long enough that gets introduced in the story. Cool. And it's fucking hilarious and amazing all at once. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But like, we get Ben Parker Jr. doing his thing, uh, getting ready for school. Everything's normal. There's a bully. We definitely have seen this kind of stuff before. It feels like Flash Peter Parker all over again. You know, Flash Thompson, exactly. And, uh, and you know, he's telling this kid to piss his pants and whatever. And then, you know, Ben stands up to him. And the next thing he knows, this dude's going flying into this classroom through a door. And he's just, like, kind of confused. And now I got to get your questions. What do you think of Keanu Dad? I dig it. I dig it too, man. Keanu Dad is like, I'm vibing this like Peter Parker, John Krasinski, fucking Rick Grimes looking motherfucker hybrid that we have Peter Parker now that's like all disheveled. He's clearly in his work. As you've said, he's not been Spider-Man. So we kind of do get that hero that has hung up his tights for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's here to just lecture his kid. Kind of, well, not necessarily lecture, but just kind of figure out what's going on. And it's one of those situations where, and you know, um, there are a lot of people out there that definitely identify with this, where parents are working all the time. They're home for a little bit. You're staying with an aunt or a cousin or whatever it is, and you don't really see them. They're not really your caretaker. So when they try to provide authority, you almost scoff at them like, who is who are you to tell me how to fucking live? Because you don't even tell me how to live on a day to day basis. Right. Why should you have an opinion? You know, um, so the, it it hits from a very real place for sure. And he, you know, he's trying to tell him like you know that he's been in this position, and he just doesn't want Ben to go down that path. He just keeps saying it. You just I can't have you do it. Just you can't be me. You know. And then he drops him off and takes off. And then more shit, strange shit starts happening, and we get again. We've seen it before with Peter Parker, man. Give me your thoughts on um, Sticky Hands McGee here. Like, Sticky Hands, ripping the door off the frame. Like, you know, total young Peter Parker vibes. Um, you know, it, it, it felt... Um, you know, you go from that super somber moment of Keanu, dad, and young Ben having this conversation, and it's like, well, fuck, man. Like, this is sad. And you go to the next panel, and he's fucking ripping doors off the hinges and shit, and it's, you know, it gives you a very good, very good chuckle. And then it immediately goes right back to uh, being sad and somber with young Ben sleeping with the picture of his mom. Like, god damn. It's it's definitely a wound for him, and he has trouble existing in his life. It's definitely something he is. But she was a kid when it happened. He was traumatized. You know, it's a real fucking thing. PTSD, and he's living with it. One thing I love that they utilize in the story is that Aunt May is very much alive, and she's great Aunt May now. And um, she's very old. You know, she's she's maybe towards the end of her peak or whatever. But well, and one thing that I like. You know, I like even more to add to that is the fact that this this iteration of Aunt May, you know, from from what little bit you get out of the next couple of panels, is the Aunt May that has always known that Peter was Spider Man. Like, yes, or maybe maybe not necessarily always known, but at least she knew. You know, how many times do we get the Aunt May from like the the animated series where? You know, no matter what Peter's doing uh, with his super buff, you know, fucking chiseled jawline uh, at all days and hours of the night, like, come on, Aunt May, like, let's, let's, let's. She knew. Yeah, I mean, you gotta know, but like, in that version, she didn't know. She never knew. Um, so I appreciate this one a lot more, especially because, like, Aunt May is always portrayed as either you know, like, old and fucking decrepit to the point where she's useless, or now, especially, like, with the MCU, like, we're trying to make Aunt May, like, uh, you know, some top-shelf material here, and this Aunt May just feels right. You know what I mean? Would that be an elf? An elf? How do you even say an aunt I'd like to fuck an elf? I don't... I don't... Because that's what they're trying to I get. I don't know that I want to say that. <laughs> no, don't. Just don't don't actually say <laughs> please, it, but how... Please, please don't. 
Okay, okay, I'll stop. I'll not answer that question on the podcast. I will say we do get introduced to a new character in a couple panels here. Uh, ben going to school, he meets uh, Faye Ito, uh, who is this chick who seems to have been harassed by her teacher in school and is getting yelled at and whatnot. And It's a small panel that doesn't really do much in this book, but is definitely setting seeds for what I know comes in issues two and three. Cool. Faye becomes a very in- integral part of this story, and um, she really drives the narrative more than what they let on in this first book, which is nice. And, and, and you'll see why. Uh, we get a return to kind of seeing uh, Cadaverous in his quarters, uh, searching, trying to figure out what's going on. Obviously, maybe trying to find Peter Parker as Spider-Man, but he doesn't know Peter Parker is Spider-Man. He just knows he's looking for Spider-Man for some reason. Yeah, and we've got a very um, uh, Mr. Freeze-esque woman in a fucking like cryotube going on. Yes. And he's trying to save her. So that's really the, uh, again, driving theme. We're further driving this theme. Uh, So Aunt May is calling and really chewing out Peter for not really being a good dad. And, you know, kind of essentially saying that, like, you're full of bullshit and excuses and... Ben needs his dad to set the wheels right because he's doing things that you did right. that only you'll be able to explain. And you've got to be the one, Pete. And why aren't you stepping up? And then we get this really fucking dark, talk me through this dark nightmare sequence we get. Ugh. Dude, I, when I when I got to this panel, I thought it was legit, like straight up, um, like some Cletus Cassidy Carnage shit. Because oh shit! Because it is like the whole thing is red. Um, it's 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 uh like uh poltergeist Aunt May, or not Aunt May? I'm sorry, Mary Jane, uh, talking to her son. And it's just like it's that it's that dream where like you're running and no matter how like how hard you run, like you never get to the end of the hallway. The hallway just keeps getting yeah, longer, bro. Kind of thing, and it's like he's he's drowning. He's being uh, drowning, drowned, and suffocated by it looks like a never-ending lake of blood. So incredible, or incredibly, incredibly dark. Did not expect to get like super <coughs> dark in this book. It kind of gave me. I feel like this is its own visual. But it kind of gave me, and I don't know if you watched the series Dexter. Oh, yeah. Mad mad Dexter vibes, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, it was like almost visualizing Ben being born of blood. And I was like, oh, my God, are they going to turn him dark? And he's going to be like fucking crazy. Right. That would be amazing. You know, that's kind of where I thought. But then you notice he's screaming for help. He's not like letting it in. He's he, He's trying to escape this fear. And then when he screams mom with tears in his eyes, he wakes up. Dude, where is he at? He's on the ceiling in his bedroom. Fuck. That is not probably a good sign. And he is really freaking out. He's like, what is this? What's happening? Help. And, of course, who's there to to, to save the day? Aunt, Aunt May is just cool, cool, calm, and collected. She knows what's going on. She's like, oh, we've been down this road before. Maybe I didn't help Pete when he first got his powers, but, you know, I was there in a lot of crazy moments and he shared stuff with me as, you know, I'm sure after fucking Doc Ock tried to kill her, Pete was like, let me tell you some stories about when I first got my powers. Aunt May, I fucking broke the sink. Do you remember me replacing the sink? Yeah. Whoops. Uh, (laughs) Anyways. So like, she's like, you know, help. Let me, I need to show you something. And she takes him up to the attic and, um, Starts giving him some boxes that are notes, apparently, you know. And uh, it's letters from Mary Jane to Pete, pictures of their wedding and of little Ben Parker. And Ben is a kid, you know, at some sort of sporting event. And um, you're starting to kind of feel like this kid is uncovering his parents that he never knew. Mm-hmm. Because he didn't really know his mom. You know, when you're a little kid, you only retain a little bit of information if something tragic like that happens that you don't get to 
to say like, oh, I knew the man that my dad was, or I knew the woman that my mom really was. Like you only have an image of your kid brain, you know. Well, and, and the the, um, the dialogue here is, is what is so impactful. Um, Aunt May says, "I'm going to bed, sweetheart. You spend some time up there under the floorboards." And 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 Ben is like, "The floorboards," and then and then you like. The way that I'm reading this in my mind is Aunt May is walking down the hallway and she says, beneath the photos, the letters, because she's saying beneath the photos, beneath the letters, but you only hear her say the letters. And then you you finally hear her trail off. You'll find what you need. And he pulls out his dad's Spidey costume. And then the panel cuts there. Like... I mean, that makes the fucking hair on your arm stand up. Like, what a fantastic way to end a book without, like, being cheesy about it. You know what I mean? No, they left you at a perfect resolve because this revelation that Ben's dad, he didn't know that Pete was Spider-Man. This has been kept from him. It was, what has Peter always done? Let's look at it real. He has always protected those he loves and tried his damnedest to not tell them the truth until they absolutely need to know. Because it puts them in danger you know, once they are aware. Ex- exactly. That is one fucking thousand percent my point, my friend, is it puts them in so much danger. And one thing I really loved about this panel, too, is he isn't pulling out like a brand new, nice, fancy costume. This is the costume that has his mom's blood on it, mm-hmm. that has the final moments of his parents together in it. It's like really, really traumatizing to think about. It's just like, it hurts. You're just like, Oh my God, like it's all over. And then, you know, as you said, it cuts to be continued. And this story is called bloodline. And, uh, you know, what a great story it is. Um, definitely, definitely worth doing this. But, uh, here is, I don't know. Uh, what do you think, man? What's the what's the final verdict on book one of this series? Oh, I eight out of ten all day. Yeah, it is a very very solid setup. Just, uh, did just you... because the narrative the narrative was so well done. The the like obviously it's a very dialogue heavy book, but like the the dialogue was very carefully chosen and everything that I didn't necessarily understand was either easily explained or like as far as um uh Feito like um you know you laid it out that that's going to be explained in the next two books so it's like it's all relevant um and then the, the art was unique you know like I said in the very beginning of the the discussion it's not your typical spidey art and I think we, I think really where we're at, we need more of that. We don't need uh, necessarily all the time the big eyes and the and the sharp lines. Like we need some more of this kind of grungy, uh, dark Spider-Man. I think this has a rugged uh, indie comic vibe yeah. to it, and I say that with love in a good way. Like when you see an indie comic that you're like, "Fuck, they hit it out of the park." Well, I mean, realistic. How good is that? Realistically, it is an indie comic uh, because it, yeah, you know, it's it's JJ and his son fucking sitting down to do a Spider-Man show or book. I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's it's and it's well, it it might as well be a show. I would fucking love to watch yeah. this. Give this to me all day. Like and like I said. I know what's coming, so it's just like I can't wait to talk about this some more. Uh, this is an eight out of ten all day for me. This book hit me in all the right places. I love that they set a precedent of like right out of the gate, you get a big loss, a very shocking moment. It sets the scene for everything else, and that trauma is what's going to lead our narrative through the rest of this story. It's important. It's relevant. It's not just like, oh, we had to kill a character. Oh, and then we're on to the next thing. When I th- like, it's something that's going to carry on throughout. I think a good point to mention is that if they were to let's let's reverse the order of kind of how this book's laid out, put that opening sequence at the end of the book as a flashback, and then everything else at the beginning of the book, um, or I'm sorry, everything that's at the end of the book at the beginning, and I feel like it would not be as impactful, you know, to end on the cliffhanger of Mary Jane being killed, obviously would carry a lot of weight, 
But as far as the story goes, it's not about Peter. It's not about Mary Jane. It's about Ben and how the first two or three pages of the book affected his childhood, affected his life. And I, I, I dig it. It's fantastic. A hundred percent. And then, of course, uh, setting up the next issues, it's ultimately what does he do with the knowledge he's gained and these powers that are starting to kind of come into their own. And then where do we go from there? And it's so interesting. It's so good. I can't wait. But uh, yeah, man, this book is awesome. I'm glad we're going to start discussing this on a weekly basis now. So next week we'll talk about issue two, following week issue three. If I'm here, we'll see. Uh, That's a joke went way over a lot of people's heads like only brando probably got that joke so just ignore it Uh, thank you for your forced laughter your tin can laughter (laughs) my soul just broke inside i wish i had a soul Uh, Ooh, interesting that's interesting concept i'm just the tin dude who wished he had a soul i think you got a heart in there Dude, one thing you're, one thing that I think we do need to point out is that, um, like the fourth and fifth issues of this book have been, an, uh, inevitably delayed and indefinitely yeah, and, delayed. And indefinitely, that was the word. Indefinitely delayed, um, for the near future. From what I've read today, uh. Like December is when they're 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 realistically looking at it um, for book four. So, but that in itself is just conjecture, you know, along with everything else, because they just don't know. I, correct, and it, you know, it, it's honestly right now though you would hope that they would be trying to find a way to get more content out as opposed to delaying content. My only thing is, and this is my only thought, is they're debating how the story should go and end because when you have delays on a book that that that's that close to its end they either see that fans are going to be too obvious and know that the twist is about to happen as x which i as of right now have no idea what that is um because i have no idea why the fuck is happening is what is happening in this story so far but um just again conjecture i think it could have something to do with how this book is ending as well as the coronavirus delaying everything so this is an article that was updated on march the 20th so you know almost a month ago at this point marvel ha- sure. marvel has informed all re- retailers that spider-man number 4 has been rescheduled for an april the 29th release 3 weeks past its last estimated on sale date and 20 weeks beyond its original solicitation Spider-Man number five's release date remains unchanged from the previous rescheduling, estimated for May the twenty-seventh. So I don't know where the one I just read that said December, but oh, okay. So here's where I got confused. Spider-Man four was originally solicited to arrive December eleventh. Oh yeah, which would have been last mm-hmm. year. Oh yeah, which would have been last year. I had to say that on the mic because I was typing. Yep. As you said that, and I was like, oh, shit, I got to go back because I'm going to actually look right now at the upcoming solicitations for Spider-Man and see what we find, what we find. Okay. Uh, never easy just to find the shit you're looking for. There's always a thousand things. Oh, my God. And some ads. And some ads, bro. You nailed it on the head, dude. I go, I go to my favorite place, though, when I'm searching for comic book stuff, which is midtowncomics.com. They're out in New York. They'll ship your books to you. I always suggest to get them shipped to UPS. Costs a little more. Worth it to guarantee they come undamaged. I played that game a couple times. And freak the fuck out! I sent them a very pissed off video. It was funny. Eee. But, okay, maybe it wasn't funny. Okay, I'm so sorry. It was, it was not cool. I was very angry. It's not cool to be angry. Oh my god, there's a Spider-Punk variant? Shit, I gotta get that for Ollie. He loves Spider-Punk. Fuck yeah. That's his jam. I cannot find... Dude, like... I just want to look at the new Spider-Man shit and see... 
whatever. I was trying to see if it was still on track for release, but I can't see that there. So anyways, bro, is there anything else we should jam into before we dive out of here? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's uh, time to get back to the celebration. Of the birthday, the birthday celebrate. Yeah, man. I got to blow out candles on my birthday dinner, which was different. It was, you know, a delicious corn casserole Fuck with yeah. um, with uh, mashed potatoes and some corn and uh, chicken casserole as well. The company's coming chicken like that we make. And whew, it was flame point. Anyways. Um, all right, dude. Well, I think we'll take it home on that note. I want to just say thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Journey into Comics. If you like what you heard here, make sure to follow us on all the different social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Also, make sure to go to all the different major podcasting platforms to listen to our shows at the Journey into Comics Network by searching the Journey into Comics Network on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, and many others. As I said, just search Journey Into Comics Network or go to journeyintocomics.com where you can actually get the full experience of our site as it's intended and for you to view. Uh, I want to thank T.Y. so much for coming back again for Journey Into Comics, bro. Thank you, dude. Thank you. Joining me on my birthday, hanging out with my friend on my birthday in this tizzle. Maybe I should never use tizzle again. No, though. I think it's totally acceptable. Uh, just next time, like... Like bequeath it to somebody else. Um, oh, I'm bequeathing I'm, this I'm to bequeathing you. This, so, I'm bequeathing this corn tizzle to you. Okay. I'll take the corn tizzle bequeathing this. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the episode title. Corn tizzle? Bequeathing be- the corn bequeefing tizzle? The, be- bequeathing the corn tizzle. I'm naming this, I'm naming this corn tizzle Montessa. <laughs> oh, for those of you who don't watch Workaholics, you're a failure at life. It's so funny and good and just the best kind of lowbrow humor that's just above the line. I mean, like, Mon- Montez is my favorite, though. Like, how can he, Dude, how can there he are not some, be like, your favorite? Have you seen the bear coat yes. episode? Of course I've seen the bear coat. I've got to get that bear coat. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, folks, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Comics 292 Bequeathing the Corn Tizzle. I'm Nate. I'm T.Y. And as always, pop your caps back and fill your brains with shizzle. Later, guys. <laughs>